eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner continuing our Illini position previews here on the podcast. Hope you're enjoying these as we get you ready for the 2021 Illini football season. Brett Bielma's introductory season here at the University of Illinois, and it starts pretty quickly here. We are recording this on August 10th. We are just 18 days away from the season opener, which is nuts. But when you think of Brett Bielma teams, what you think of is the offensive line up front, whether it's the Wisconsin Badgers and all those first-round picks from Joe Thomas to Gabe Karimi. Sorry to bring up that name, uh, Bears fans. But uh, he has a great history of that, even the Hogs up front at Arkansas with the Razorbacks. Pretty good units there. And uh, always had a pretty good run game with those teams. And that's what he wants to be known by here at Illinois. And I think he inherits a pretty solid situation, pretty solid foundation at the University of Illinois where three super seniors return as fifth fifth-year starters, which is a rarity in college football. But they all return for that extra year of eligibility. You get Vidarian Lowe, left tackle back. He's got 40 career starts, probably played his best football last year. Alex Pauczewski returns from injury. He's got 40 starts, most of them at right tackle the last three years. And, of course, center Doug Kramer, 37 career starts right in the middle. So three out of those five spots, Joey, even though you lose, I think, your best player on the team last year in Kendrick Green, you feel like uh, you got a pretty strong core with those three guys returning 117 combined starts. Yeah, that'll play, right? I mean, it, it, the bookends of this offensive line we've known for three years, and they played really good together. And I think Doug Kramer gets a lot of attention, but he's still a little overlooked at times just because people say, ah, maybe a little not physically what exactly what everybody wants in a center, but he plays like everybody wants in a center. And that was not a short joke, Doug, if you're listening. <laughs> overlooked, okay? <laughs> Yeah, that has been uh, quite the topic. I think he is sick of that question. You're short for a lineman, right? Anyway, It's fair. Fair to be sick of that, I think. But you look at just what this is everything Brett Bielema is a part of, right? He likes to take offensive linemen to things with media events because he wants the offensive line to not be overlooked. He, he talked about it media day. He had Doug Kramer and Vidarian Lowe and Alex Palczewski in his office. They couldn't fit in the darn chairs because, I mean, they're just big guys, ideally, right? So he changed that. It, this isn't somebody who's just, you know, hey, they're important and, and we need them on the field. It was in every day of our lives, these guys are very important. And then they went and got one of the most intense gentlemen on the face of the earth and Bart Miller to coach them. And, and it's it's just important. You can see. I mean, I know that's silly to say offensive line are important, but Brett really zones in on these guys and makes them know 
that they are such a foundational piece to this program. Yeah, I think, you know, early on in the hiring process, you know, you sat there and you thought, Tony Peterson, that's an interesting hire. We've talked about that before. Bart Miller didn't come from, you know, a Power 5 school or anything like that. But when we got to sit down and talk with him, Joey, or I guess Zoom with him at that time, he was one of the most impressive coaches. Like I, I would have run through a brick wall. My five foot nine, hundred eighty-five pound former high school lineman uh, wanted to to run through a brick wall and play for him. Uh, he's a Bielma kind of guy. He's intense, but he's young, energetic. Um, some Luke Buckus in him, right? In that, like he gets these kids. He played at a high level at college. Coached at a high level at Wisconsin, where he was thrown into the fire as a grad assistant, promoted mid-2012 when they were having some offensive line issues. And that team went on to have a great rushing season, a great year, uh, getting to the Big Ten Championship, winning it, going to the Rose Bowl. He's really impressive to me. Uh, and then we get to meet him in person, and, and that really uh, comes through. And it seems like this, this group is really taking to him. Uh, but I, I think he's a star uh, on the rise in Bart Miller. So he's one of the guys I'm really interested to see how it translates to the field with these guys. Yeah, and look, I, this isn't a knock on the former staff, but I think we have to point out what is very clearly a personality difference between Bart Miller and Bob McClain, right? And that's not, I mean, Bob McClain is, is a smart guy on the offensive line, but... Kendrick Green became a third-round pick under yes. him. Vidarian Lowe had successful years. Alex Pocheski had successful years. Right, so this isn't saying, like, what a horrible hire that was. I think when you think, like, when I think of offensive linemen, I think of, I mean, I think Illinois Twitter account posted the video of Bart mic'd up, and it's boom this and boom that, and, and that's what I think of because that's what I came in and seeing in Luke Buckus. That's where I see the biggest similarity it's like we're going to be the most intense cats out here every single time and and get out of the way from us and again i'm not knocking bob but I, it's just a very that to me is one of the most stark personality differences between the two coaching staffs they call bob mcclain professor bob like this is they're not calling bart miller that right um what do they call him on on one officer bart miller that's what they, they go with uh he is an intense individual and he and brett bioma do have some fortune here, right? That that extra year of eligibility is absolutely monstrous for Illinois because not only do you get those guys back, Jack Bedovinak, the transfer, has an extra year of eligibility to use. He comes to Illinois, Loyola Academy guy that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Blake Gerasati was hurt, so he would have had an extra year of eligibility anyway, but he decides uh, to come to Illinois for a sixth season as well. Think about the possibility of losing Kendrick Green, Alex Pelcheski, Vidarian Lowe, Doug Kramer, all in the same year, not having Jack Bedovinak. Um, obviously, you would have been active in the transfer portal in that way, but we'd be talking about five new starters here, Joey. Uh, instead, you're talking about three starters coming back, a guy who would have started last year if he were healthy in Blake Gerasati. This, this is one of the best groups on the team, right? This is one of the uh, groups with the highest floors on this team. And for it to be the offensive line for this, uh, not only for this staff, but just in the Big Ten, Really, really important. Look, we've talked in these podcast previews that certain positions are not proven. This is far and away the most proven group, I think, and proven in the sense of maybe not everybody in the Big Ten with Blake Gerasati and a potential starter in Jack Bedovinak, but they're proven everywhere else they've been. So I, I think exactly what you said is I think you know the floor, and I think this is the highest floor of anybody. I don't know what the ceiling is, Running back, I could probably say, would argue with me a little bit on that. But just that known quantity uh, and something that is so important to what Brett Bielema believes in, that's huge. I mean, not only are we talking about five new starters, we're probably not talking very glowingly about five new starters if this extra year doesn't happen. And then I think just long-term, the ability to not have to rush 
a guy we're really, really high on, and most, like Moses Okpala, for instance, you don't have to throw him in here right now. You can let him come along a little bit, and then maybe there's less of that. There's always a growing pain when you start, but there's less of that, and I think you're just kind of shortening some of those potential problem areas because of this extra year of eligibility. Well, let's talk about how good is this group, right? Because I feel like some people think this is a, a, a great, dominant Big Ten group, and I don't know if it's quite that. I mean, they've had some really good running seasons at times under Rod Smith. Uh, the passing, pass blocking, I think, at times has been lacking. But it certainly is, I think, a top half of the Big Ten group. And I think when you look at Doug Kramer, that's a top half Big Ten starter at center. If you want to go fourth, best, fifth, whatever you want to say, I think Doug Kramer has proven himself at this Big Ten level. But Darian Lowell, I think he's got as high of a ceiling and is maybe the best NFL draft prospect for 2022 on this team. Uh, but I think he's got another level he can still reach, and it'll be interesting to see. But last year was an all-Big Ten honorable mention guy. And then Alex Palczewski was a third-team all-Big Ten guy in 2019. I think a vicious run blocker could improve as a pass blocker, but probably when healthy. And he looks pretty healthy, even though he's on a maintenance plan right now uh, after he recovers from that torn ACL. I think he could be a top-half right tackle. And I think if you're talking about a program like Illinois, that's a great place to start. So I don't know. Phil Steele has them tied for fourth uh, Big Ten offensive line, which I think they are capable of. Um, but I do think you have a top half offensive line or you know, top half of the Big Ten West offensive line, which is for Illinois, that's relatively really, really good. I mean, you're talking about a team that went two and six last year, hasn't won in forever. I mean, hasn't a new coaching staff. New coaching staffs don't usually come into situations where you can say we have a top half of the conference. The Big Ten, no less, right? Like this offensive lines are talked about in the Big Ten for a reason. So you can say we have a top half offensive line and we also have a handful of players who could reasonably be considered in the top half. That is maybe the most fortuitous thing that Brett Bielema and his coaching staff inherited. You could look at other positions, but to have that much in this conference with that floor, I mean, it's just you can't ask for it better if you're a new coaching staff. There's no way. Uh, Doug Kramer isn't the biggest guy, but what he's really good at is is reach blocking, and, and, and that's just getting uh, to the other side of a nose guard really, really well. Maybe I didn't explain that great, but uh, he's really quick. He's really smart, really intelligent, and a great leader up front. So just a really solid center to have in place for another year. Vidarian Lowe's one of the best pass blockers uh, in the Big Ten for such a big man, and I, I remember seeing him at a camp, and he's 350 pounds at a high school, between his high school junior and senior year. He's leaned up considerably. Uh, and he moves incredibly well, great feet, long arms. He's what you're looking for in a left tackle. And I joked uh, with the Bears and all their injuries at tackle. I said, can, can they call one up from Illinois? Because Vidarian Lowe might be able to compete for them. I think Vidarian's got a great chance to be a draft pick. Is it top three, four rounds? I'm not sure. But I think some team, NFL team is going to have him in training camp next year. And Alex Belcheski, I was almost as high on as anybody uh, last year, his floor for the NFL. But then he suffers that injury. Um, and that was my big question for Alex Belcheski is because he's physical, nasty blocker. I think at the next level he probably slides into guard because he's not as great of a pass blocker. But that's why he's at right tackle. But if he's fully healthy, um, he could be really good. And right now they're, they're making sure he's going to be fully healthy. He's kind of practice a couple of days, take a day off. Practice a couple of days, take a day off. Um, so they're just ramping him up uh, for the season. But if all th those three guys are healthy and available, that, that's a really good group, Joey, that all those guys have had all Big Ten or at least honorable mention before. Um, so when you get three or five starters that have that, that's a great place to start. Yeah, my only question with Alex Palczewski is just are there any lingering 
things. I mean, he had surgery in December. Now that's eight months, and he, you know, it sounds like Brett Bielema said everybody is going to be ready to go, short of Jordan Slaughter, who participated. Uh, you know, who got to camp when it started. So that would certainly include Alex Palczewski. And I don't know how much. I mean, he's kind of a he's a tough dude in, in the sense of like I don't think that's going to be too much near the front of his mind. But yeah, I'm really high on the guy too. I, they missed him last year. He just brings something, right? I mean, he's kind of a not that everyone else isn't, but he is a pretty vocal trash talker, smash man. I mean, he's, he's going to let you know he's out there. And, well, I think and that's that, something you're missing with Kendrick Green, right? Uh, Kendrick Green was that kind of guy. And, and Bielema and Miller, a lot of what they talk about is uh, tenacity. Um, it, it's more like, yes, you, you can have all these skills and things, but you got to be the meanest guys and, and the uh, nastiest guys in the country, right? And he said there's, there's no second in that. You have to be the nastiest guys, and I think Palcho certainly brings that to the field. And I think he wears a lot of pride in bringing that to the field. So to, to have those three known, I, I think I'd, I'm comfortable thinking, I think I know the fourth would be Blake Gerasati. I don't think I have a lot of questions about that. That is what a base, man. What a base to do this, to give Bart Miller a return to the Big Ten with with this group. And and you're saying all this, and they lost a third-round draft pick, yeah. which at Illinois, it's like, what? <laughs> Third round? I mean, it's been a while. It's, it stinks for us not seeing the whole competition at the other two guard positions, uh, really one-and-a-half guard positions. Again, I think Jarosadi's, I don't want to say a lock, but probably pretty comfortably in the lead. But there's some options inside, too, as you get away from some of these known quantities that I mean, we said so much about these guys for five years. But I really think it's don't want to overlook how important it is to have that in this for this team. Yeah, think about it. You could have three players this year break the record, all pass the record for career starts for an Illinois player, including an offensive lineman, right? Because the record is 48-49. Um, Obviously, Lowe and Palcho, if they're healthy, they're going to get to the 50s. If Kramer's healthy, he's got a chance if they go to a bowl game to get to 50. Um, so he's going to get to 49, possibly, if they don't go to a bowl game. Um, that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing place to start. And when you talk about strength, experience, intelligence, all those guys certainly have that. Let's talk about the two other spots, the two guard spots. We do have a favorite for one, I believe, that you mentioned. But the other spot, I think, is a pretty open competition and maybe some names uh, that people don't know a lot about, maybe a name that could surprise people as a starter in week one. Let's talk about that when we come back on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your 
your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Joey, you mentioned it. Blake Gerasati seems pretty locked in to that left guard spot. Not a big surprise because Illinois, the previous staff, brought him in uh, to be the right guard and, and replace Richie Pettibone, the, the grad transfer. So Blake Gerasati comes from Wofford, where he was an All-American center, uh, FCS All-American at center for Wofford. Undersized, 6'2", 300 pounds, looks a lot like Doug Kramer, right? Uh, kind of has the personality of a Doug Kramer. But uh, so maybe even if you want a 6'4", 6'5", guy there in the Big Ten, he brings a lot of intensity, a lot of strength, a lot of wisdom at that position, and he moves extremely well. Um, and he started at left guard all throughout camp uh, in, during spring camp, started there during the spring game, looked pretty good at it, and he's been at that left guard spot whenever we've seen uh, them in practice lining up. So it seems like Jerisadi's pretty locked into that spot. And if you have two Doug Kramer kind of types right next to each other, that doesn't sound like such a bad thing for Illinois. It doesn't, and it sounds like we haven't seen him play really anything, but it sounds like he's kind of a mean cat. Right. I mean, and that's if you're going to be undersized, you've got to be that. And Bart Miller really raved about him last week in that sense. And that wasn't the first time we had heard about him. But this guy caught a really tough break last year. I mean, he transfers up to try to give himself this opportunity that, I mean, no one really looked at this kid out of high school. I mean, you don't end up at Wofford because you've turned down power by program. And then the, the Big Ten on again, off again, he has surgery to clean something up. And then they're on again, and, and suddenly he's not. And that, I mean, that bites. And, and I don't know how much that eats at him and, and how much he's eager to, I mean, the guy hadn't played football in a year. He, that's got to fuel him a little bit. And just everything we kind of hear about him and all of that feels like left guard is, is comfortably his, barring an injury or barring some unforeseen fall off you know, the cliff a little bit here in the back end of camp. And that's good. I, I think that's a good spot for him. It's, it's good for Illinois to have someone who's kind of a mean, older dude who's been around a little bit. And, and the, the guys really seem to buy into him, too. The, the other starters that we know of, the, the Paltros, the Darian, they, they speak highly of him. This isn't just some guy who they say, hey, is that FCS last year? We don't know. I mean, they're in. They're all in. And I don't – obviously, I don't think they were going to say anything else if they had any doubts. But just in the way that they speak, I don't – I really don't believe they have any doubts in the guy. And he seemed to have meshed well with this group. He's had a year together with all of them. So I think there's that cohesion with them. And he had all spring ball with them too. So I think uh, that really helps. Uh, The other guard spot, I think we got three candidates with Jordan Slaughter now out for the season with an ankle fracture that he suffered the first week of practice. I think it's coming down to three candidates. And, And one guy we'll get into, I think, there's almost a benefit if you could keep him as, as kind of the swing tackle, and that's, that's Julian Pearl who's really stood out. But I think the first guy I want to get into here, Joey, is the guy who started two games at right guard last year, started the spring game at right guard, and through the first week I think we've seen in the limited time we see taking some first-team reps at, guard, at right guard, and that's Alex Pilstrom. What a story he is, a former walk-on tight end here at the University of Illinois, an in-state kid, Chicagoland uh, suburban kid that 
has worked his way up, added a lot of weight, and he goes from 285 to 300, 305 uh, this training camp. And he seems to have really impressed the staff. And he's got the measurables you want, right? Six foot five, 300, 305 pounds. Uh, certainly a strong physical blocker in high school as a tight end, and that has carried over. Struggled a little bit when he played last year, which shouldn't be a surprise given his background. But I think we got to start talking about him as, as potentially the starter for week one. Jack Bedovinek, the Colgate transfer, we'll get into here in a little bit, certainly can play that role. Uh, Julian Pearl could slide inside from tackle to guard. But Pilstrom might be a guy that even me, when I'm filling out my depth chart, I have to consider potentially putting that first string. Yeah, and look, to be honest, I don't think you or I thought about this two weeks ago. I thought we thought, hey, Jack Bedovinek was brought in for a reason, and I still believe he was brought in for a reason. But Pilstrom, I don't want to say just won't go away, but he kind of won't, right? I mean, he, he continues to be brought up in these conversations. To even get to this point, he was eating like 5,000 calories a day just to go from tight end. Like his though that. Yeah, to go from tight end to offensive lineman. And, and I didn't think he was a world beater in his games last year, but I didn't think he was the, the hole in the boat, for lack of better terms. I thought he was fine. And, and then you've heard – that he's kind of refined his body more, right? With, with times with Tank and the nutrition staff. And, and you look at him, I had to double take the number the first time we saw him at camp. I'm like, whoa, that, he does look bigger than, than what we saw last year. And, and he kind of brings that same mean kind of, you know, hey, I was a tight end. I was a freaking walk-on, and now I'm getting a chance to, to be this. And it's just a guy that the name just keeps coming up, and that, those things don't happen on accident and and no we can't see what's happening out there but we can listen and when you listen that's a name that you hear a lot and I, I do you know I think Jordan Slaughter would have been another guy in that mix but now it, to me it really comes down to two the third we'll get into but I don't want to say I'd give the edge to Pilsen because we really don't know we've seen 20 minutes a day but I'm kind of getting closer to that point yeah uh Pilstrom you know, starting to look like a Big Ten tight, uh, Big Ten guard. That's what uh, Brett Bielma said, and he's starting to feel like one. So it sounds like the confidence of a year of being an offensive lineman, knowing what it takes, and now having Bart Miller kind of pushing the physicality part of it, uh, I think is really big. And I do think we got to mention here, they felt good enough about Pilstrom, Bedovinak, Slaughter at the time, and uh, potentially Julian Pearl to move last year's starter, Virtus Brown, who I thought was serviceable in the role. I didn't think he lit the world on fire, but they moved him to defensive uh, tackle. Uh, he's going to play nose guard, which I think is a great fit there for this scheme. They felt good enough at that position and at th these possibilities and these options to move Virtus to nose guard, which is a need position. They need more depth line. Calvin Avery and Rod Perry, especially with Calvin Avery's been slowed by some kind of injury. We're not sure uh, so far in training camp. Uh, I think that says a lot about these options that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about long-term too, right, or at least medium-term because a couple years for Virtus that they could have had him, and now to make this move, I think that kind of puts some chips in, in the Pilstrom pile, right, because he's got more than one more year after this. And, all the, again, for what we've got to do is kind of paint this picture with the information we know, and moving Virtus was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that, that told us more than I think – I think we kind of got a sense in the spring he was starting to slide down a little bit of the depth chart, or maybe Pilstrom was sliding up a little bit in the depth chart, right? But all of these things are kind of pointing to really a two-man battle. I hate to, like, use the same kind of thing with Jarosati and Kramer with Bedovinak, but they're similar stories. Overall, guys, you know, Kramer was a gray shirt, eventually earned a scholarship under Lovey Smith, uh, you know, 
Jarosati was an FCS kid that finally earned a spot at the Big Ten. And Jack Badovinak was a loyal academy under John Holosek, a fantastic offensive lineman, but undersized, didn't get any really FBS interest, goes to Colgate and kicks butt there. 33 starts there, two-time All-Patriot League team member. And you just see him on the field, Joey. He's actually a little bit shorter than Kramer uh, at six foot one, but he is just a mound of muscle, uh, no neck on, on Jack Badovinak, but he's a physical player. You turn on his film, you can see it. Uh, so that would be a small interior offensive line with Badovinak, Kramer, and Jarosati, but it's a big, physical, experienced one. When you think of all those guys, have around 30-plus career starts uh, in their career. But Badovinak's a great depth option, right? I mean, he's been what I saw, he's been practicing behind Jarosati at left guard. Jarosati can play center if Kramer gets hurt or Bedovinak, certainly they cross train these guys could play the right side at guard as well so I think that's a great addition just to add competition and that's what they wanted in that room push Pilstrom push Virtus at the time push Jordan Slaughter push Julian Pearl and Bedovinak certainly gives you a much better depth option potentially a starter for you yeah and hey if he gets it he's earned it right he, he beat out the guys he needed to beat out and I think that you can't say enough about guys who have done it. Like he is far and away the most proven college football option of these, uh, between really, I guess, him and, and Pilstrom and I guess maybe even Julian Pearl. I don't know how much I'm really considering that option. But, again, it's what we've talked about before with these, Jeremy. Every guy they brought in was intentionally done and for a reason. They didn't bring him in because, like, ah, yeah, it'd be, be good for us to – to rub elbows with Loyola Academy, they brought him in because we think he can push this and we'll get the Loyola thing. You know, we'll, we'll make sure we keep in those good graces down the line. So I, I think I remember when he got added, we were kind of talking. It's like, oh, that is a little unforeseen, right? We, we thought that between Slaughter and Brown and Pilstrom, that that was a pretty good group and a group that they could find a starter out of. And then they bring him in, it's like, okay, they want to push it a little more, a little more depth. And look, we've talked about this. There was years that, like, they couldn't field a two deep on the offensive line to do a spring game. And, and other positions, it wasn't just the offensive line. And now you look, and that's a grown room. And depth options there, they had to put a walk on there last year. And I, I think we think Pilstrom's developing. He was still a walk-on converted tight end that was playing guard. And now you look, it's like, okay, if something happens, and this is a physical game, and the Jordan Slaughter injury was not, you know, it was kind of just a freak accident a little bit. He got rolled up on, that happens. Now you look back, it's like, okay, there's some guys who can go in there and who can play this position, and you don't feel like there's a massive cliff that you fall off of as you go from one to two. And a lot of these twos, there's a lot of interchangeable parts. I I think he could be one of them, but Jarosati definitely is. Yeah, Um, you... I thought of that Bedovinak one, it did surprise me because I felt like, oh, you have some depth. You have some guys I think are ready to take the next step with Virtus and Jordan and, and potentially Pilstrom. Uh, but now you have one injury and you're like, oh, think about if you didn't have him. Uh, if you didn't have Bedovinak, you'd definitely be counting on Pilstrom um, or, or you know Julian Pearl sliding inside. And all of a sudden you're too deep looks a lot different. So I do think that's that's big to see now, and, and this staff certainly uh, knew that. Um, the other option is Julian Pearl, who Bart Miller has raved about. I, I got to be honest with you, a year ago at this time, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, 
the last half wasn't as high on Julian Pro. They're like, is it ever going to click for him? Is, is he going to get the physicality of the game? Is he going to take that step forward? And then all of a sudden you see him thrown in there when Alex Palczewski goes down at Rutgers with that torn ACL and had a couple good games. Had some struggles in other games, but I thought he acquitted himself really, really nicely. Then Bart Miller comes in here, and last spring, we didn't get to see it, but he just raved about Julian Pearl, and he got all those first-team reps with Alex Palczewski out of spring ball, and certainly his confidence has grown. We're actually going to talk to him today, so I'm really interested to see uh, what he has to say. But there's a lot of value in having a swing tackle like that. Like I think he's probably your backup at both tackle spots um, because they think he's their best tackle after that. But also, Bart Miller has said, Brett Bielema has said, we're going to play our best five offensive linemen. And it is clear they're really high uh, on, on Julian Pearl. So if he's the best five, maybe he will play uh, at guard. But that's, that's a good problem to have when you have a guy who might force the, at, force the issue and potentially play guard and be your backup tackle. Yeah, if he's not your best five, he's probably your best six, right? But I think for me, what I get hung up on is, is it best to, to kind of put him in as a guard? I mean, ultimately, if something goes down, you're going to end up swinging a lot of things around anyway. But is it smarter to have him as that swing backup guy and use one of those other two guys who are both very capable? Now, if they, if they weren't good, then it's a no-brainer to put Pearl in there. But it's just a... A dynamic we haven't really seen Illinois run into in a long time is I don't know that they've had six of the best guys who could go out there and play offensive line certainly seven so I that is one of the most interesting things to me is how do they use him what are they most comfortable with in terms of you know one of your tackles is coming off a torn ACL do you want to move your back up inside and risk I'm really fascinated with how they're going to move all these chess pieces because it's just not something we've seen this program have the luxury of doing over the last four years, five years? Uh, there, we do have this. Brett Bielma talked with Phil Steele before Phil Steele put his uh, depth chart out there, and he's one of the most respected uh, preview guys in the college football industry. He had Pearl at right guard. So I, I just think we should consider that. Um, some of those might Brett Bielma have, you know, an ulterior motive of trying to motivate guys or whatever it is. But I, I do think it's worth noting that, that he was one of the starters listed at right guard there. But I do think there is some value. If you think Bedovanak or Alex Postrom gives you 98% or 95% of what Julian Pearl could give you at right guard, there might be some value in having Julian uh, not be an injury risk so that if Vidarian or uh, Alex Palczewski goes down, you know Pearl uh, is available for you. Let's talk about the long term of this room because as, as good as you feel and as solid as you feel about this room this year, Joey, next year we're going to have big question marks, right? Alex Palczewski's gone. Vidarian Lowe's gone. Doug Kramer's gone. Blake Gerasati's gone. Jack Bedovanak is gone. That could be five of your top seven offensive linemen, maybe your five starters. Um, so then you go into next year, Pilstrom will be back, Pearl will be back. I think Slaughter was ready. I thought he looked really good in the time I saw him. Um, but then you're looking at who's that next group. And one guy we are very <laughs> intrigued by is Moses Akpala. Um, ever since he was in high school, he always looked the part. He's an all-bus guy, unbelievable potential given his length, his strength, and really his motor and his physicality. But he kind of looks like a fawn out there when he plays football. So I think we got to figure out how much does he know, um, you know, how much can he grow in a year. But the ceiling is really high with him. Yeah, I mean, every time it's like the yearly progression of seeing him, like, oh, my, he is – like, if this doesn't work out, 
some professional wrestling place can throw him a lot of money, and he is going to have all of the physical tools to be there. But I think, you know, if you're Bart Miller, you got to be looking at him being like, dude, you're the biggest guy out here almost every single time. Be mean. No one's going to be mad at you. And I think I don't think that's an issue, but... He's got right tackle written all over him, in my opinion. Physically, he's got everything you want. It's just a matter of... He was still kind of raw, if I'm not mistaken, to football. I mean, I think he was a kid who was probably thought his future was in basketball for the longest time until all of a sudden it wasn't. And now you're just getting him caught up to speed. And it's a problem we I've harped on, but if you if he's four years older, I don't know that he's got the leeway to figure this out. I think he might have to put him out there. Now to let him, you get a COVID year that doesn't count, right? That's a year of, the, of understanding everything. You get a redshirt year, and all of a sudden you've got a guy who's physically maturing without people seeing some of the growing pains in person and and that is such a big deal I have no idea if this is going to work out but I'm going to bet that it could given what he's got physically uh, he is a really intriguing prospect Evan Kurtz has had a lot of weight um, since he's gotten to Illinois uh, suburban Chicago kid Catholic League kid uh, up to 300 pounds now he came in here at about 250 so he is noticeably bigger it'll be interesting to see how he develops and then you really got a lot of unknowns there with the freshman obviously Brody Wisecarver very highly uh, ranked in the, in the rankings I liked Josh Kruitz is a get for Illinois. I hate to do the thing, but undersized, physical, nasty. I think he could be the heir apparent to Doug Kramer, and I think that could be next year. I think he could be ready to play next year if he adds a lot of strength. I think Zach Barlev looks like a Big Ten offensive lineman already, huge, strong. Again, not much of a neck there, but a bigger kid, about six foot four. Um, so he really intrigues me. I mean, Josh Geske certainly is big enough, long enough, but he's got some development. Um, so there's going to be big questions uh, up and down that depth chart next Next year, maybe outside of Pearl and maybe Pelstrom uh, potentially next year. That's why I think you might see the transfer portal hit pretty hard with the offensive line as they get all these younger kids developed uh, and as they get the four offensive linemen to bring in the class 2022. But I never count on freshmen. I usually don't count on redshirt freshmen uh, to make much of an impact uh, for the offensive line. But next year, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of freshmen and a redshirt freshmen uh, on the 2D. I also think you're going to see them go swimming in the transfer portal a little bit for a tackle. I, I think. Uh, the, you could probably justify being feeling decent about the interior. Uh, kind of a little bit of opposite right now. I mean, I think you feel decent all around right now. But I think next year you look at this and say, okay, the interior, if you have to point out a strength of the offensive line given the guys on the roster, you would say it's it's the guards, right, with Pilstrom and with Slaughter and maybe with <laughs> Kruitz at center. I, I'll tell you guys that I, I was watching the offensive line last week and I told Jeremy, I said, Oh, Kruitz, man, he's just kind of there, and, and he's, he lets you know he's there. He's kind of a trash talker. It's, it, it seems like when you, you kind of get to know him a little bit, that personality meshes with exactly with what Bart Miller's after. And obviously everybody knows his, his lineage. That's no, no secret. It's been beaten to death. You know, I, I get that. But it certainly has played a huge role in sure. his development, right? And what he he's such an intelligent football player, such a physical player. And that's, I mean, Owen Kurtz was one of my favorite players to watch. He was a Bears fan growing up. Uh, and, and Josh is always going to have that. And it's certainly been an advantage of his, uh, but he's certainly just trying to make the, his own name for himself. But I, I think he's a guy that, that's ready to play uh, within a year. And, and certainly at that center position where you need to be intelligent, you need to be physical, uh, and, and you need to be a nasty football player. And I think he's got uh, all those things. I think Brody Weiskopf is very, very talented. Just there is such a huge, and, and I think Bedarian and Pelcheski and Doug Kramer, I'll tell you this, there is such a huge adjustment 
more than any, I think, an offensive line uh, for, for Big Ten prospects. So I think that's going to take some time. That's why next year there will be a lot of questions. Yeah, and I think it helps uh, Brody Weisscarver that he was here for the spring ball. I think the more time you can get with someone like Tank, the more time you can get with Bart Miller, the more time you can ask questions of a Darian Lowe, of Alex Palczewski, that's going to help. I don't know how far that speeds him up, but it helps him quite a bit. I, we're going to learn about one what they think of their depth next year right but we're also going to learn a little philosophically about where they are because there could be some redshirt freshmen who are there kind of knocking on the door a little bit and maybe they're not quite ready but we're, we're going to see what they how they approach those things but I, the portal makes a little bit of sense but there are some longer term guys it takes a while man there's an incubator you got to put offensive linemen in and and that just wasn't the case when, when these guys that we've talked so highly about were here. I mean, they were 18 years old. I mean, they were closer to getting their driver's license than, than not. The upside of all of this is they do have this year where they're not thrown into the fire. And that helps this team immensely and helps these younger players immensely. Because if you had a, a room of Blake Jairside, Jack Bedovinak, and insert tackle transfer here, um, you wouldn't feel quite as good as you do with Alex Spuchewski, Vidarian Lowe, Doug Kramer, all with all those guys as well. So my expectations for this group are to be a part of an offensive line that helps a running attack that's top five in the Big Ten. Uh, I, th I think they're capable of that because they did that last year. Uh, but I also think they can take another uh, step as, as pass blockers and, and potentially be one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten West. And, and that's saying a lot, given that Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, and Minnesota, who's got a good offensive line, uh, are part of that group. So I expect this to be a strength. Is it going to be an elite offensive line? I'm not sure about that because I don't know if there's a legit like top four round uh, NFL draft pick like there are, like Iowa and, and Minnesota, I think. But I do think this is a really, really solid Big Ten group that is going to help this offense uh, take strides as long as the skill players around them. I think they're going to give the skill players plenty of opportunities. It's does do the skill positions and Tony Peterson, do they take advantage of that? Yeah, I think every opportunity is going to be there to make that not be a position where you look at and say, ah, oh, crap. I mean, they're, they're struggling there. Now, I'm, I'm really watching the long term of this too, Jeremy, right? I mean, you look at – this was a position in the recruiting trail that Brett Bielema addressed quickly. I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the early commits, the first one was Joey Okla on the offensive line, right? And it, that was like, maybe they were just by chance of popping early and that was what they wanted, but they, they addressed this very quickly. I like who they have in 22 coming in. I think there are some guys there. Hunter Whiteneck posted a photo of his senior class that, and it took you like half of a second to realize who the Big Ten offense is. Just a massive was. man. Just a massive young man. And then Matt Fries, you know, comes from a Big Ten family where Will Fries was a Penn State uh, all-Big Ten offensive lineman, is now uh, in the NFL, was a draft pick. And, and Clayton Leonard, I think, is more of a developmental prospect, but uh, certainly an in-state kid that wearing orange or blue is going to mean a lot to him. And uh, as an interior lineman, he's got some physicality and some of that farm boy traits you, you love uh, in Brett Bielema offensive lineman. Yeah, I think there are some pieces there and and we'll see again it's it's such a different world and that's a credit to a little bit of the depth that that lovey and his staff built and, and it's a credit to a, a, a the ncaa doing the right thing and giving an extra year but these aren't you're not going to have to look at hunter whiteneck who's a big guy and be like hey have fun out there against iowa it's a true freshman kid we'll see you later that's just not but darian was first game <laughs> after missing training camp with an injury was play at iowa at Kinnick Stadium 
with them, all those fans right on top of you. Welcome to the Big Ten, kid. You're not going to have to have that. Like Alex Palczewski was 270 pounds when he showed up at camp, immediately the starting guard. That is not the case right now, and it won't be next year either. Right, and that that's great, right? That's where you need a program. Like, like, that's where you're coming from just four years ago. Yeah, this this is really completely changed. And you, I mean, you got to look at what Lovey did and, and his staff and, and getting some guys in here and, and kind of building that thing. And th- there are holes, but there are some guys you don't, pass out if you've got to put them in there right so th- this is this isn't going to be a conversation that goes away we're going to be talking about Brad Bielema and offensive linemen until whenever he decides he's not here or whenever Josh Whitman decides he's not here th- this is so much about what he believes in a- a- as a football coach and so much of how what his coaching staff believes in as being a really important figurehead being really important talent wise this this is Brett Beal now. His systems might not look like they did at Wisconsin. You might see things different, but the foundation is always, always, always going to be with those guys up there. I think we know this offensive line and running back room, what they're capable of. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be a solid, at, at worst, Big Ten group, right? So I think you go into the season with a, a solid four of the running game, right? I think as we wrap up the offensive previews here, Joey, What's going to determine whether this group is successful or not is really those skill players. Um, and to me, that's the, the passing game. Uh, Brandon Peters, Art Sikowski, what can you get out of those quarterbacks who have a lot of Big Ten experience but haven't quite lived up to that ranking? Can you get the most out of them? The wide receivers, a lot of new faces, some exciting names, especially Isaiah Williams. There's only one way to go up with that group, it's up, and it's up. Um, but what can they do? We have to see it. A lot of these guys are unproven. Um, that passing game has to take another level. And that includes the tight ends, because Daniel Barker is a proven wide receiver, but Luke Ford is not. That's, I have little questions that the running back and offensive line group will at least be solid for Big Ten standards. It's what do those other groups do, because this offense has to take a step forward. They have to be on the field more. They have to score more points. They have to score more touchdowns. Uh, and I think Tony Peterson and George McDonald are going to be a big part of that. Look, we can do all the hand-wringing we want that last year the defense wasn't very good and it hasn't been very good, but it doesn't help when your offense is not letting you breathe on the sidelines. Right? There's three and outs. So it was just ugly, ugly drives put together with questionable play calling, poor execution. The whole nine yards really was was not very good. But there was always that, oh, the offensive line isn't always the one shooting yourself in the foot. They did. I mean, they, they were not helpful at points last year. But I think as you look this year with just – I completely agree with you. You know. Like, you know what those two things are going to do. And if Illinois wants to to climb up in the offensive competency levels, I suppose, it's the passing. It's the skills. It's, it's every reason why they've done what they've done in the wide receiver room, why they went in and got art. All those things, the, the puzzle puts together that that's a place that was so painfully deficient over the course of the last years, they've got to they've got to build it back up. And not to mention they had like six bodies to that tight end room as well. Uh, so I think we know where they thought they really needed to address. All right, 40 minutes of offensive line talk. Man, oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, and now let's flip to the defensive side of the ball, which probably has even more questions than the offensive side of the ball, even with all the offensive struggles last year. 
we'll get into that as, as we go through the week. And I hope you guys are enjoying these and learning a little bit more about your 2021 Illinois football team as we learn more throughout training camp. Even if we can't see it, we are listening to these guys. We're talking to these guys and, and getting some really good insight. So appreciate you guys listening. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and stay tuned to IlliniInquire.com for all the latest on Illinois football and, of course, Illinois basketball as they ramp up their offseason as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.